0: Welcome to the Champs App Podcast, where we help players and parents demystify the world of minor hockey development and recruiting for both girls and boys. On this episode, I talk with Tom O'Malley, head coach of the Sacred Heart women's ice hockey team. We talk about his long coaching career, starting three different D1 women's hockey programs, the brand new hockey facilities that are being built at Sacred Heart, and his advice for players and parents in these unique recruiting times. I really enjoyed this conversation with Tom, and I hope you do too. Before we start the podcast, I wanted to let you know about the app in Champs app. Champs app lets you create a free, beautiful, online hockey resume to share with coaches, teams and players. Your profile includes all the information coaches wanna know to help decide if you are a player they wanna keep on their recruiting radar. What makes Champs app unique is that you can then connect directly with college prep or team coaches and they can then follow your updates. So when you add a new highlight video or a game to your schedule, will automatically get notified of these changes to your profile. It's a really easy way to keep all your connections up to date. Just go to www.champs.app and click the sign up button to start your profile. And check out the links in the show notes to see a list of some of the college coaches already using Champs app that you can connect with. Stay tuned after the episode for more details on how easy it is to create your Champs app hockey resume. I'm very excited to have on the podcast Tom O'Malley, who's the head coach of the Sacred Heart Pioneers Women's Ice Hockey Program. Originally from Dorchester, Brighton, Massachusetts, Tom played junior varsity hockey at Boston College. And while studying and playing at BC, he also coached the women's club team at BC. He then stayed on as coach after graduation and helped the women's team move on to the D1 level. And after BC, Tom started the women's program at Wayne State University in Michigan, where he was there for four years. In 2003, he started his third D1 program at Sacred Heart University, where he's been for the past almost 20 years. In fact, this past weekend, he just won his 300th game as a head coach. So welcome to the podcast, Tom.
1: Thank you. Very happy to be here with you.
0: Uh, very excited as you know i've been trying to get you on for almost two years now to get on get you on the podcast so glad to finally have you on uh why don't we start you off like we do all our guests and just tell us how you uh, started playing hockey as a kid and got a love for the game
1: yeah it's just basically um you know i grew up during the uh the bobby Orr era and the big bad bruins so you couldn't help but uh but love hockey back in those days you know bobby Orr was was a god to kids growing up in in boston as well as all the other guys that played for the bruins and you know, you, you you constantly had your Bruins jacket on, your Bruins sweatshirt, your hat. You know, when you whether you played on the ice or out on the street, you had the Bruins, you know, pants and socks. And if you had all those things, you were pretty cool. So that's basically how it all started. With gotcha. That. So then I, then I have two, bobby or related questions. One, did you wear the number four? And two, were you a defenseman? Uh, I did have a number four on my, um, on my, one of my jerseys. Yep. Just because of Bobby and uh and um, yeah, I played. I played forward. I played. I, I played defense. I I mean, I, in the end, I played defense, and I consider myself a defenseman today. So yes, yes. yeah. And and where did you
0: play your youth hockey, and, and what was that experience like, especially in Massachusetts, oh, which is known yeah. to be a little bit controversial
1: at times? Yeah, no. Um, you know, I, I played a little bit of youth hockey. Unfortunately, I didn't play a whole lot. I played more like on the ponds and. Um, You know, out on the street, naturally, Um, sort of like, I'm not comparing myself to Joey Mullen. He's a friend of mine, but like sort of the track that he took, he was on roller skates playing hockey until I think his early teens anyways. But it was sort of the track I took. I mean, I played, you know, some CYO, Catholic Youth Organization, you know, naturally street and on the ponds and stuff like that. We had Brighton Youth Hockey. Uh, I didn't really play too much of that. But, you know, the other thing too, um, you know, it was expensive. You know, my parents had five kids and trying to put us all through Catholic, youth, you know, Catholic school and and all that. So, you know, we sort of had to pick and choose, you know what I'm saying, where, where I was able to play. But... Here I am all those years later. So
0: (laughs) So I know your dad was a bricklayer. Um, I'm curious what the impact was of your parents were on kind of your upbringing and how it related to hockey.
1: Yeah, I had a beautiful mother and father. You know, my mother's from New York City. Um, So we were down there a lot when we were kids at grandma's house. And we had our New York City friends. And I was pretty much known to them as the Boston bum because of the whole Yankees, Red Sox and all that stuff. But, uh, you know... So my mother was, like I said, from New York, my dad was right off the boat from Ireland and uh, just a hard working man. Um, both had, a, had, a, had a, the biggest impact on my life. You know, they're both in heaven now. I love them dearly. Um, but yeah, you know, my father, like you said, was a bricklayer and, you know, just admired him getting up every morning, going out the door, you know, and he worked on, uh, you see all the skyline of Boston, the Prudential, the John Hancock buildings to name a couple like he worked on those during the week and then on weekends he was building a chimney or putting in a fireplace or you know a set of stairs or um building a a wall like a a, um, you know a stone wall and uh I was right there next to him many many a, a Saturday you know didn't really enjoy it but years later I I valued that experience now you know what I'm saying I just didn't enjoy getting up having to go to work you know what I'm saying but uh I was happy to be with him and, and help him out. But yeah, that, gotcha. that was it, so. Gotcha, so how did, how did you end up at Boston College? All right, so, um, you know, like you had mentioned, you know, originally from Dorchester, then we moved over to Brighton when I get a little older. And um, Boston College was only about, I don't know, four or five blocks from the house. And I used to walk up, I used to ride my bike, and, you know, to the campus. And as I got a little older, um, it became my playground. You know what I'm saying? Like we, you know, I was the rink rat, you know, plus we were playing football in the stadium and, you know, baseball out in this, out, out, you know, in the baseball stadium, so to speak. Um, yeah, you know, it was just, and then I, I got to know everyone there. So I knew the whole, uh, you know, the whole athletic maintenance crew, the Zamboni guys, I knew all the (laughs) pops. I knew everyone, seriously. And you know, many of them have retired by, you know, today, but still a few left there that I, that I keep in touch with all the time. Uh, that's pretty much how, how that started. So BC was, was my early playground, you know, plus my, my mother had a, um, had had a, a friend from New York that, that grew up right down the street from her and his name was Kevin Duffy and Kevin eventually became one of the vice presidents at BC, but I remember him bringing me into a football game when I was a little kid and it was a night game. And I remember it was a night game because uh, the stadium lights were shining on those gold helmets and I was just enamored. And that was it. That was it for me. BC was it, period. You know, so that's, that's what brought me to BC. So yeah. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha. And was the campus just as beautiful then as it is now? Cause I, I've been to Newton quite a bit and and yeah.
1: it's just a spectacular place to go to school. Yeah. It was, it was beautiful back then. And you know, weren't as many building, you know, but, but it was still very beautiful, um, you know, now, you know, it's beyond, it's beyond that with what they've done there, but, uh, no, the, the, the rink that, um that we skated in was McHugh Forum, the old McHugh Forum, that got torn down in 86, and then they built the Conti Forum, which is, there what, 35 years now, you know, something like that, 35, 36 years, so. Yeah. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha. And, and you didn't play varsity hockey. You played, I believe, what you call
1: sub varsity. So explain yeah, how that works. Yeah, Coach Siglarsky, Coach Len Saglarski, he called it the sub varsity. Uh I was fortunate though. Like I was able to, you know, play in the play, you know, in those those sub varsity games, but I also had a chance to to practice, you know, with the varsity, you know, a lot. You know what I'm saying? So that was that was neat and I was just happy to be part of it, Ray. I mean, the guys that I was with, you know, a lot of them went on to the NHL, you know, the Kevin Stevens, the Craig Janney's, you know, Brian Leach was there for one year, Bobby Sweeney, you know, just to name a few, Jimmy Sweeney, like all guys that went on and played the NHL and, uh, you know, some Olympians as well here, you know. So plus, plus growing up there, I knew the Joey Mullins, the Paul Skidmore's, all those guys that, that, you know, I was, you know, I looked up to those guys. They were my heroes. You know what I'm saying? So yeah.
0: And and so um, obviously you're you're learning a lot while you're playing and playing with these unbelievable, uh, you know, yep. future NHLers and future yep. pros. Um, what was it that um, you know about the flyer that you saw uh, related to starting the women's team that got you so interested?
1: Yeah, you know what? Um, there was a sign. It was called. It was up in the old Roberts Center. Um, which um, was the, the main athletic building, and um, it said, "Coach the girls' hockey team," and that was uh, that was it. You know, it was like a work study job. So I went and asked Mr. Flynn, who was the athletic director, esteemed athletic director, and uh, said, "Mr. Flynn, could I could I coach you know the women's team?" He's like, "Yes." He goes, "Just check it out with Coach Zaglowski," which I did, and. He was like, yeah, go for it, and, and I did, and it was pretty much, you know, it was loosely organized. Um, you know, we practiced maybe two days a week, played a game or two on the weekend, and then, um, you know, as I stayed with it, you know, it, 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 got, it got bigger and better and more organized, and I was trying to emulate, you know, my coaches what they did with 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 the women's team and that experience, and you know, we had a lot of success as as um, the women's club team continued to pro- prosper. We won a couple of national championships. We won another, you know, major championship in between. Uh, it was sort of like a pseudo varsity year, like the year between club and D one. So we won that championship. So three years in a row, and then. You know, first year Division One, and we had a lot of success that year. I think we won fifteen games that year, and then those kids graduated out, and it was starting all over again. So yeah, a great experience. And and what was it
0: that you said? Wow, like I, I love this coaching thing. What 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 got you so motivated to want to stick
1: with it for so long? Just you know, just being on the ice every day. I love that. You know, loved. I, I've always been a competitor. You know, going back to my days as a little kid, like I, I'd stack the other team against me because I wanted to beat them. You know what I'm saying? I was always a competitor and yeah, I just, you know, just, just enjoyed, you know, coach, coaching the women's team and, and seeing them grow and get better. And we started to, to beat teams that had, you know, consistently beat us. So we started to knock them off, so to speak. And Put them behind us and, uh, yeah, and just stayed with it. You know, if I, had, if I had never become a coach, more than likely I would have become a Boston cop or a Boston fireman or a state trooper. So it was either that or this. And, you know, just the whole atmosphere being being in that surrounding every day at BC and all my friends, the Zamboni guys. I mean, I really never saw anything outside of BC and the coaching was a part of that and it was just
0: a great life. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So before we move on to Wayne State and actually leading BC, I'm just curious. We had Katie King Crowley on the podcast uh, a while ago. I'm wondering if you're still in contact
1: with her and the folks at BC. Um, You know what? I I speak with Katie, um, you know, every now and then. It's been probably about two years now. The last time I think we we were talking about um, some, some, you know, I was on a committee where we were, we were trying to shore up the, um, you know, the APR, you know, what I mean the, the RPI for 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 you know teams going moving on to the playoffs. So I haven't spoken with her a lot lately. Um, I do keep in touch with you know the Zamboni guys, <laughs> you know some of the campus cops that are just still there, you know and stuff like that. So I haven't really talked to Katie in a, in a while. Yeah. Okay, but I'm sure you keep track of uh, how the program is doing. Oh uh, yeah, year after oh, year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs>
0: Great. And so um, tell us about your decision to go start the program at Wayne State University in Michigan.
1: Yeah, one of the toughest, toughest decisions in my life, honestly, but I'm glad I did it. You know what I mean? Uh, Didn't want to leave my hometown, didn't want to leave BC, but it was just, it just, you know, had come to the point where I had to, um, you know, move on in my life, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like just salary wise, you know, trying to trying to fiscally make everything work you know what I'm saying so um you know I got I got approached by uh, a, a very good friend of mine Danny Brooks who is from Canton Massachusetts and he um was already coaching out at Wayne State okay he was assistant coach with Bill Wilkinson's men's team so honest to God they were looking for a women's team he actually just put my name in without even asking me you know so all of a sudden, uh, I guess Wayne State called my athletic director at BC asking permission to talk to me. And they said, you know, yes, because all along that, that the women's job at BC um, was a, a part time, part time job. You know, what I mean, it was never a full time job. So I was always uh, doing something else as well. I worked in the registrar's office at BC, things like that, you know, but anyways, um I flew out to meet with Mr. Bob Brennan who was a, a retired Marine Corps Colonel and uh, we hit it off right away and um, you know he even asked me that day that I that I interviewed with him he's like um, you know if I call you up tomorrow and offer you the job you know will you take it and um, you know yes you know I said yes right away and uh, like I said a few moments ago it was a it was a tough decision to leave but it was something that I had to do and I'm very happy that I did it, you know. So I still hear from you know many of those Wayne State players today, and as well as people that that work there. I, I met some uh, some great, great people out there. So yeah, gotcha. I was happy I made the move. Yeah.
0: So two two questions. One, what was it like coaching in Michigan? Um, you know, it's a
1: uh, you know you're basically in hockey town. So what was yep. that like? Yeah. It, it. You know what? Yeah, I know. I, I, Boston's a hockey town, but but Detroit. You know, that's a hockey town. You know what I mean? Like especially playoff time. I mean, there was they had tents set up on every street corner selling t-shirts, you know, when the Red Wings made their runs there and won those Stanley Cups. I mean, it was ridiculous. And uh yeah, I mean, I was still a Bruins fan. I was so to speak in enemy territory that way with uh with pro hockey, but I soon grew to to uh like the Red Wings, you know what I'm saying? I had a friend Dougie Brown that was playing for them at the time. So, um, was down there with him a little bit. He actually came and and skated with my Wayne state team a few times and the Red Wings are, are revered out there. They're like gods themselves and, uh, you know, red and white and that's it. So, um, yeah, no, it was, it was good. It took me a little while just to get used to it. You know I mean? I was a little older. It was in my thirties, but I was, I was homesick a little bit missing people at home and all that family, friends, but, uh, you know, after a while, I got used to it, and um, like I said, I'm, I'm very happy that I that I made that move.
0: Gotcha. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about your move back east to Connecticut. Um, but before we do that, we um, just want to get your opinion on the fact that there's still no D1 women's hockey team in Michigan after the Wayne yeah. State University uh, team folded.
1: Yeah, Ray, it's, it's 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 shocking. You know that that there isn't Division One uh, women's hockey there. I mean, um, it's it's a shame. I mean, we you know when I was at Wayne State you know we'd play a few games here we played Michigan Michigan State's clubs teams you know they were they were pretty good um but like those arenas like, beautiful beautiful like you would you would think that you know men's and women's hockey teams would go hand in hand there they just haven't they haven't crossed that bridge yet but uh you know we played Western Michigan's club team one time and they had a beautiful arena like yeah you you would I'm surprised you would think it would have happened by now but it but it just hasn't so yeah
0: yeah i know we had uh jenna trubiano who's the coach of the michigan uh club team and yeah i know so i know she's uh taking some efforts to try and see what they can do especially under the uh with the changes that have been going on at michigan these days but obviously yeah. Uh, yeah. like you said western michigan michigan state you know yeah. there's uh yeah. multiple schools that could should be having a d1 yeah. team that have have it on the men's top side
1: so. yeah ferris state lake superior you yeah. know what i'm saying yeah i mean you you know, I mean, just like the new house, how it's so regional. You could have your own little thing there. I, I I'm sure Michigan would go, you know, big, big, but um, Michigan State. But yeah, I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's
0: so let's move on. Well, t- tell us about the decision to move to uh, Fairfield, Connecticut, and join yeah. uh, start the Sacred Heart program.
1: Yeah. No, I um, I flew out here in the summer of uh, 2003, and I met with Mr. Don Cook. Who was the athletic director at the time. He's, he's still the athletic director, Emeritus, you know, and I love seeing that next to his name because he's such a good man, you know, did, did a lot for me. Um, but I, I remember sitting down with him the first time and him, like one of the first questions he asked me was, so, you know, Tommy, you worked for Bill Flynn at BC, you, you, you know him well. And I, I just looked at Mr. Cook. I said, yes. I said, he was very good to me. And I, Don, Don, you know, sort of winked at me. You know, I think that was just it. That's that's what he was looking for, that type of a connection. You know what I mean? Because, um, you know, the prior five years, I think they had had four coaches, you know, in those five years. So there wasn't a lot of stability. And, and actually, once he, you know, that was one of the questions that came up. Like, you know, I'm looking for stability. You know, are you looking to stay here? And, you know, I just said, Mr. Cook. I said, you know, absolutely. I said, you know, Boston's still home for me. But I can get home in two hours. You know what I'm saying? So it was it was it was a great situation. And um so happy that I uh, you know, I took the job, that he offered me the job, and I took it and uh, I met with Mr. Jim Barcanero, who is the, the senior vice president of enrollment and overseas athletics. And uh, you know, my first meeting with him and because and, and, Mr. Cook brought me over to his office and uh right away he's like, Hey, you know, we're gonna build a rank. And we've talked about it and plans, and here it is right now. So I'm really, really happy that I'm, that I'm, that I'm here at Sacred Heart. Awesome. Awesome. Okay,
0: so let's just talk about uh, the school first. So like I mentioned, it's in Fairfield, Connecticut. Uh, from what I gather, there's around 6,000 undergrads. Maybe yeah. you, And it, uh, Fairfield used to be the headquarters of General Electric. Yeah. You know, um, the longtime CEO, Jack Welch, made some major donations to the school. So we'll talk a little bit about GE a little bit later on because I think it does tie into the, the new yes. ring. We'll, get, we'll yeah. get into that in a little bit of a second. But let's just start with the academics and, uh, you know, the types of disciplines that uh, students can study at Sacred Heart and, and, you know, where that leads them just
1: on the academic side. Yeah, I mean, um, academically speaking, it's, it's first rate, first rate courses, first rate, you know, uh, professors, um, just in the time that I've been here, the 20 years now, um, I guess it used to be considered a community commuter type, you know, college that's since gone the other way, um, back in the early days, you know, maybe they had one section, Mm -hmm. two sections at the most of some classes, um, but that's, that's increased now too, you know what I mean? So, yeah, just the whole, the whole, uh, Everything that's offered major-wise, like they've 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 branched out. They have engineering now. We I, I've had plenty of um, players go through the nursing program. Currently, you know, teachers, business, um, athletic training. You know, uh, all those you know medical sciences. We just graduated out um, three three players last year that are going into the into the medical um, you know world. You know what I'm saying? They're they're currently working as medical scribes right now. So, yeah, just a wide range of of subjects and, um, you know, very reputable, highly esteemed, you know, majors. So,
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And uh, let's move over to the hockey side of things. And just in terms of kind of the infrastructure that you have currently, you're playing out of the Sports Center of Connecticut, I believe. If I remember correctly, uh, there, you, you, there's another D1 team, I believe, it might be Post University, that also yeah. uses the same rink. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe just talk about the current facilities, and then more importantly, let's talk about what's coming in January 2023.
1: Yeah, so we've been here um, in the Sports Center, of Connecticut, since 2014, and it's been uh, it's been wonderful. It's been absolutely great. We've been uh, treated so so well here by, you know, Mr. Howard Saffron owns the building. His staff, you know, I mean, Donna, Doug, like, you know, they, they've, they've, they've given us everything we've needed to be successful, including a, a beautiful locker room, you know, great practice time, you know, game times, you know. So, so everything's been very, very, you know, conducive to operating, you know, a Division I women's hockey program off campus, the best possible scene available. Um, and, you know, now moving into the new rink. You know, I know t- you want to talk about that, but it's it's sort of bittersweet leaving these people. They've just been so good to us. I mean, it's night and day comparison with the two buildings. I mean, it's going to be, be – it's beyond words. I was just in there this morning. I was over there for a meeting, and uh, it's really, really coming together. So, yeah. And kind of tying this back
0: to the, the General Electric conversation we had a little bit earlier yep. is once GE moved out and moved to Boston for their headquarters, yep. it was basically – correct me if I'm wrong – Sacred Heart basically started – uh, taking over their campus and not allowed for the break right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: They pounced on. It. By the way, too, you would mentioned Post University. Yeah, so Sacred Heart plays on the first floor arena. Post University plays on the second floor arena. I think it's like one of only two arenas in the world. I think the other one's in like the United Arab Emirates or something like that that has two ranks stacked. So Post is upstairs and. Um, it's a short away trip for us and a short <laughs> away trip for them. You know, we're just hopping on an elevator. That's pretty much it, you know? So, but um, yeah, so General Electric, they uh, wound up moving to um, Boston, South, South, uh, South Street, you know, um, Seaport District. Uh, when I was growing up, that was sort of no man's land. Now it's like the place to be there. And GE moved in and Sacred Heart, like I like you mentioned, uh, just moved in there. Um and and bought it and took over it. And uh, it's a flourishing, flourishing campus right now, you know, with academics, parking garages, you know, there's a little hotel there and now the major arena as well, so. That's awesome. That's awesome. So,
0: uh, so like I said, moving in, in in January, so, you know, uh, I'm sure you're going to be sad saying goodbye to the sports center, but uh, yeah. it's a pretty impressive event and it just shows the commitment of the school to the yeah. hockey teams, because yeah. this is a major investment and I'm sure it will help, um, you know, inc- elevate the, the, you know, the Pioneers brand uh, when yes. it comes to recruiting and also
1: just from, you know, local ticket sales and having people yeah. come in and watch, watch the teams play. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna, yeah, everything you covered right there. It's gonna be a destination uh place for, for students, you know, for 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 the general student population as well as the community, and then of course, you know, both the women's and the men's team, um, the amenities, you know, besides the beautiful arena and the ice, and it's gonna be first rate, you know, uh everything, you know, what I'm saying the the uh, the ge- the the general manager that they that they've hired to to run the facility, um, you know George Arnudos, he comes over from Yale and he and he you know mm-hmm. he did an unbelievable job at the Yale Whale running that that rank and he's going to do even even more here for us but just uh, the locker rooms and the lounges and the in vi- the video theaters and uh, mm-hmm. our athletic training facility um, for athletic you know trainers you know to, to to you know, help our our players prepare for practice and games, and and then you know the therapies and and things like that. It's it's beyond words, Ray. You know what I mean? It's beyond words. I was in there, you know, I was in there this morning. Uh, I was over on the west campus for for a quick meeting, and um, you know, just in the time that I, I I was in there, maybe about a month ago, it's it's ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Like what's what's going on? Like all the the boards on the glass are in now, the scoreboard, you know what I'm saying? And uh it's just it's just an unbelievable place. And getting back to one of your other, you know, things that you mentioned here. Yeah, I mean we've we've always had serious inquiries from potential, you know, players and, and things like that. We just get more and more. And not only nationally, like we've we've had a really good tie in with Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, but that's that's increasing now, you know what I'm saying, internationally. A lot of kids up in not only just the Toronto area, but like Western Canada. And now we're starting to hear from, you know, the European prospects as well, too. So, yeah. So, I mean, the word's out, you know, the, the, the pictures are out, the, the videos are out. You can go on the webcam and take a look what's going on there. And, yeah, it's just, you know, going to elevate everything. So, Awesome.
0: Awesome. Well, well, the season's already started. Let's talk about your your team. Um, specifically, let's start with your coaching staff. Um, so I know you have uh, two assistants. You got Victoria Blake. You got, uh, I'm going to, hopefully I don't mess up her name, Francesca Giamona. Yeah. Um, maybe just talk about your staff and kind of how you divide responsibilities and kind of, um, you know, what it's like
1: to work together as a team. Yeah, very happy to have both Victoria and Francesca here. They've been doing a great job, um, you know, just d- dividing up delegating responsibilities. Victoria is primarily responsible for uh, for recruiting, you know, getting out there on the road and, and uh, going to see prospective players. She was actually out, you know, yesterday afternoon, late evening, looking at a player up in Massachusetts. Um, you know, uh, Francesca, you know, it, they're both on the ice for practice every day, naturally. Francesca, you know, is, is handling, um, like, our video uh, component, you know, working on video. She's also helping out uh, with some recruiting as well, you know, and then helping out with uh, compliance issues. You know I mean? Uh, not that they're issues, but making sure we have, you know, players are hours logged and things like that. So, yeah, both of them do a very fine job. Very happy that they're they're here um with me working at sacred heart university right and what's your philosophy on
0: player development uh during the four years that they're with you and sometimes five if uh yeah
1: yeah just you know naturally you know in in the development um you know thing first of all we want good people here you know we want you can be the best hockey player in the world if you don't have the character to go along with it you know then th- that's a different thing you know what i'm saying but so so we're getting good people we're getting good students we're getting good hockey players and as good as they are coming in the door we're you know encouraging them and pushing them positively to to get better every day you know and uh we see a lot of progress with some kids some kids are faster um with their progress than others but um you know, we treat everyone the same and you know, we're trying to trying to just you know keep everyday positive practice. We have some have some great days out there. We have some tough days out there, but uh, yeah, just trying to trying to get everyone's best on a daily basis. So that's you know we're we're, we're always uh you know we're looking to increase speed and you know know how and hands and naturally all the the physical you know attributes that you need strength on the ice and and you know shooting and you know systems. So. Yeah, it's it's a daily thing for us. Gotcha. So um, I, I got some
0: little bit of inside information to ask you. So when players make a mistake, why do you consider that a gift?
1: Oh, <laughs> I'm talking about no gifts. Like we're not throwing pucks away up on the uh, up on the defensive blue line. Yeah, you know. And, and I don't know who told you that, but that's pretty funny. They say that. I actually just said that the other day. No gifts. No gifts. You know, we're not giving pucks away. You know, and occasionally I'll be like, okay, you know, there's there's 40 days to Christmas here. We're not giving out any gifts here. You know what I'm saying? Things like that. So, yeah, I don't know. Just something that I said a long time ago and it's still there. So, yeah.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So, now you mentioned this earlier that, um, you know, Sacred Heart plays in the New Ha. Now there's eight teams uh, yeah. in the New Ha. So, is that a good thing or a bad thing? So, I guess kind of related to it is it's going to be harder to win your next 300 games, as a, or was it harder to win your first 300 games now that they're eight teams in the new ha. Huh?
1: You know what, um, we're just going to go at it every day. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping it's going to be, uh, you know, e- easier. You know what I mean? But it's, yeah, we're up against some very, very good teams. You know, some very, very good competition. Some, you know, very good hockey players on all these other teams as well as coaches and, uh, yeah. You know, we're going to – no matter who it is we're playing, we're going to battle and we're, and we're looking to win, you know, as many games as we possibly can. So, yeah. That's it. Yeah, it's been – you know, it's been a long time. You know, I, I didn't even realize that I was coming up on 300. Like, I am I just didn't realize it, honest to God, Ray, until someone brought it up last week and I'm like, wow, you know. And I just think back to the early days of BC. You know what I'm saying? There's actually, you know um, – some games that they didn't count because we were still in the club in the club division. But, uh, you know, no, it's been, you know, it's a challenge every day. It's a challenge every day. So we're looking to win as many as we possibly can here.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so we're going to start moving more towards the recruiting side of things. I noticed that you have uh, 30 players on your roster this year. Yes. And correct me if I'm wrong, you can't dress 30 players. So I'm wondering what it's like to manage so many players. And, you know, I saw you have three goalies. So obviously there's only one net. So how are you managing all these people who want ice time? Um, And, you know, obviously this is probably due to COVID and and the extra year. Uh, Maybe just tell tell us how you're managing, you know, the, the team with such a large roster.
1: So one thing that I am with everyone is, is honest and transparent, you know? So we're out recruiting, you know? Naturally, we're looking for the best possible player we can bring in. But there's, it's like three different areas, okay? So we're, we're you know, we're finding our impact players, okay? We're finding, you know, as we move down the roster, some, some players that, that, you know, we potentially see as maybe in the lineup. You know, out out of the lineup, you know, injuries happen, things like that. People are in, people are out. And then we have some kids that, you know, um, okay, we have a spot for you right now. You know, don't see you, you know, playing a whole lot. You know, I tell everyone, listen, you know, there's 34 games in the year. You can play in all 34, you can play in one, you can play in 15, you can play in none. So everyone's hearing that message. You know what I'm saying? Uh, You know, two of our recent graduates, you know, Taylor Moreland and Jane Lewis, you know, two two of our top point point holders in the program's history. They heard that. They heard that as well. You know, what I'm saying like, hey, can't promise you anything, and that's still the message: can't promise you anything. So, getting back to your question here, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's hard, you know, when you're putting that lineup together to be sitting out some people, you know, especially when you see them working hard and dedicating themselves and I don't know, maybe I'm different from other coaches, but I do feel bad when I, when I can't, can't trust people. You know what I mean? You see them there and, you know, I just try to encourage Hey, listen, you're part of, you're part of a, a pretty special group of people here. You know, you're wearing the same uniform, you're wearing the same winter jacket and, and sneakers and everything off ice. You know, there's just, you know, you're practicing every day. There's just a difference. Some people play more than others. So that's the message that everyone's hearing. That's, that's in the past, that's present, and it's in the future as well. Gotcha. What's, what's been the
0: impact on the goalies um, mm. in terms of both, you know, the goalies that you have currently as well as ones that you're talking to about recruiting because, yeah. only, like I said, there's only so many spots.
1: Yeah. So um, we have Molly Elmo, who is a current junior. We have Carly Green, a current sophomore. And then we brought in Jillian Petruno um, as, you know, she's a freshman. So. Um, Jillian hasn't been medically cleared yet only because she hurt her knee last year so she hasn't been been cleared she's she's on the ice now practicing so right now just with the uh with our two goaltenders Molly and Carly that are cleared you know they've been both competing hard against each other you know another nice a nice thing about it though is yeah they compete hard against each other but they're also in each other's corners so all three of them are in each other's corner but with having two of them cleared and ready to go um You know, right now, we've just been uh, platooning them, you know, Friday, Saturday type of thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure when uh, Jillian gets medically cleared, then, you know, there's going to be a race to the top, you know, between the three of them, you know, with a starter. And maybe we continue to to go platoon, you know what I'm saying, with that. So, you know, we haven't crossed that bridge yet. Uh, Looking forward to, you know, having all three, you know, 100%. And, uh, and ready to go, and, you know, that's just going to further propel us through the year. Awesome,
0: awesome. All right, so now let's move right into the recruiting uh, questions. Um, yeah. how, how First of all, how, how has the women's game changed since you started back in the uh, late 80s? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, you know, it's ch- changed immensely. You know, back in the old, old days, like, seriously, um, I don't know how it was, like, out in the Minnesotas and, and those areas, I know that they had some – some some teams, so to speak, like maybe club teams. But I remember going over to Harvard on a Sunday in the fall and then another Sunday in the spring to sit around a coffee table with, you know, the Harvard and the Dartmouth coach and you you are um, UNH and Northeastern. There's maybe 10 or 11 coaches here, 12 coaches here. We'd, we'd iron out our schedule for the year. And then, you know, we we talked some recruiting a little bit. But back then, you know, you had the Asabet Valley. Uh, team and you had the Connecticut Polar Bears those were like the premier you know team Providence College was there as well those were the premier programs where you know everyone was trying to to get at least one two three players from from those teams so you know you were you were getting your your top players out of those programs and then you know occasionally you'd find a a kid playing on a boys team things like that it's it's night and day compared to those days where it is right now, you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and also back in those days, you might, have like I said, you know, there was, there was, some young lady playing on a boys team and, you know, they were far and few between. So it was hard to, to get, you know, a team full of, you know, high-end, high-end players. You know what I'm saying? Like Northeastern have them, Providence have them, um, UNH have them and Harvard, you know, had a few of those kids, Princeton and and uh, Dartmouth as well too. But yeah, we you know, it wasn't as plentiful as it is today. Gotcha. And and what's the skill level like today compared to what you used to see? Yeah, lights out. You know, just um, you know, you might have had one or two of those kids on 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 some of your teams back in the in the old days. Now you have multiple multiple players that can uh, that can get it done. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, you know, the speed is there now. It's it's really really increased the speed that you know the hands part of the game is is a huge, a huge thing now. Um, hockey IQ is huge. You know what I'm saying? Um, so you're seeing a lot more of that. You know, strength. You know, just just the overall game has just uh, steadily steadily increased here. So, gotcha. know, glad, glad there's a lot of players out there that can that can you know fill our roles and all that. And from what I understand, um, your recruiting
0: strategy has actually changed over the years. Now that you've kind of taken the team to a new level and the program to a new mm-hmm. level, that you're a little bit mm-hmm. more patient now in recruiting is what I heard. That so you take your time, you use the transfer yeah. program, the portal, um, yeah. and you and your process is a little longer than in the past. So maybe just talk about um, you know what it is your recruiting process today versus how it's been.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's we're taking time, but it's also some of it's happening sooner than before as well. Like, you know, back 15 years ago, I'd be getting my class in April for September. Now you're getting them, you know, the, the April, even a little bit earlier the year before, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, for 23, we had most of our kids lined up last year, you know, committed type of thing. And 24 were, were getting there as well too. So, so there's, you know, you, you're two years out, but we're also taking our time getting those kids, you know, I mean, NCAA uh, legal as well, too, like when we can talk to kids, when we can have a conversation with them, things like that. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is, it is a long process. Um, you know, we're, we're vetting kids out, you know, what I'm saying we're, you know, Victoria Blake, you know, um, Francesca Giamona, like we're, you know, I'm, I'm always like, you know, we gotta, we gotta make sure we're checking social media on our prospective mm-hmm. players, like just checking out what they're all about here too. Naturally, you know, the grades in school is is, is paramount, um, but uh, you know, and then and then of course going to see them play, you know, and uh, you know the the COVID years where coaches couldn't go off campus, a lot of those kids were recruited off of film. You could only see them on film, and and um, you know, we're happy we got some, some, some high-end quality players off of that as well.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. And so,
1: you know, given, like you mentioned,
0: COVID ha- had an impact on, on recruiting, uh, obviously a lot of grad students and things like that, fifth-year players, and just in general, not necessarily Sacred Heart specific, where do things stand today with recruiting? Um, you know, are do you find that uh, you're, you're recruiting less players because you have uh, folks sticking around for the fifth year overall, or do you find like, hey, you're you there's a whole bunch of folks graduating in 24 and 25, so you actually are dialing it up. You need to actually backfill some of those roles that yeah. are going to be folks that are moving a,
1: on. A mixture of both, Ray. Okay, so um, yeah, you used to just have the traditional freshman recruit, all right. Now you have the transfer portal player, you know, and, and there were transfers in the past, but now it's, a, it's, it's like a real thing, the transfer portal. And then, you know, we have still two more years. The kids that are current uh, seniors have another COVID year. The kids that are current juniors have another. another co- so you have the traditional freshman, the transfer portal, and the COVID recruit. And, you know, that's in some ways, you know, made the process a little bit more congested. You know what I mean, especially on a recruits, you know, point of view where they only had to to deal with one avenue in the past. Now there's there's three different avenues, so to speak. But uh, yeah, um, you know, we 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 just we're watching everyone. You know, like we're watching the the freshmen. We're watching, you know, the transfer portal, and then we're talking with uh, current players, you know, here at the school. And you know, some of those NCAA fifth year COVID players are. You know, they're in the transfer portal, like I'd mentioned. We're, we're watching those kids as well. So,
0: yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. And, and last question before I let you go. What, 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 uh, one piece of advice do you have for players or parents who are, um, you know, not already at the college level, but more at the high school level and going yeah. through the recruiting process now and they're kind of seeing a little bit of that backlog and things slowing down, except for the really, really high end
1: players? Yeah. You know, the first thing I, the first thing I, I'd say is, um, first of all, you know, academics is number one, keep your, keep your schooling going. You know what I mean? You, you, you can't have a, have a good enough report card. You know what I'm saying? You want to have the best, you know, grades going here, but then, you know, on the hockey side, you're looking at, you know, the schools that you're interested in, but you're also having, you know, interest in other schools as well too. Like, you know, you might have your top three, but you know what, have a top four or five, six as well. You're looking at rosters to see how many kids are graduating out as you just alluded to. You know, uh, positions, you know, they graduating out goaltender, they're graduating out 3D, you know, four forwards, you know, that type of thing. And, you know, uh, there's a little bit more of, you see, a, a, a tiny bit of the men's side of recruiting now where kids are taking that gap year, that PG year where, you know, th- the boys will go and play two or three years out, you know, in the USHL and then come back to school where the women you know, for the NCAA, you graduate in, in, in May or June, you, you can take one year, but you have to start school that, fo- that following. So you don't go to school right away in September, the following September. So that's sort of factoring in a little bit right now too, where, um, you know, uh, okay, listen, we don't have a spot for you in 223, but we'll have a spot for you in 224, so to speak. Like you can have those conversations, ethically with a, with a, a potential player, you know what I'm saying? And you're not going to tell us, you know, you're not going to say, Hey, listen, you know, go take a year and uh, yeah, we'll ha- we'll definitely have a spot for you. And then you pull the rug out from our, like you, you any of those types of um, potential players that I, that I talk to, I'm just like, listen, there's no promises. If that's what you want to do, we'll see you, but I'm not going to make an absolute promise to you. There's no guarantee. So, um, but yeah, it's just, you know, it's a, it's a long, steady process, and, like, you know, I tell, you know, tell um, people to, you know, to market yourself as well, too. Like, when you're talking to a coach, you know, yeah, you know, Coach O'Malley, you know, I, I love the academics, I love love the offerings, you know, I, I see the rink, you know what I mean, but, like, you know, I want them to, to, you know, talk about themselves as a person, maybe some community service they did, things like that, projects they're involved in. And that that pretty much goes for every coach. Like, you just don't want to make it, you want, hockey is, is a very important thing, but you got to be talking about academics as well here too. And, and the person that you are, you know, coaches are looking for character as well too, so. Perfect.
0: Some excellent advice for, uh, for players and then parents to let their players know about as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Tom, I want to thank you so much for coming on the Champs App Podcast. Uh, it was great to hear your, your story, your long tenure as a coach, 300 wins. Um, and more importantly, I'm really looking forward to seeing how your team does this year and yeah. uh, the opening of the rink. And uh, hopefully next time I'm on the East Coast during the season, I'll, I'll try and come by and check out the new facility. So, Please uh, do, best, of, best of luck to you.
1: Thank you, Ray. Welcome anytime.
0: I really want to thank Tom for coming on the podcast. It was great to learn about his amazing coaching legacy. It was also awesome to learn all about Sacred Heart and their new rink and training center. You can connect directly with Tom on the team's website or through his Chance app profile. You can find links to both of them in the show notes. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Before you go, I wanted to share more about the app in Chance app. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know I spend a lot of time talking with coaches, parents, and players about the hockey recruiting process. One of the key questions that people want to know is, how does a player get noticed by college coaches? While there are many ways to be discovered, the easiest way to get on a college's radar is to send a coach an email and provide them all the information they need to assess if you are a player worth keeping their eyes on. That's where the app part of Champs app comes in. Champs app was designed based on all the conversations and feedback we received about the recruiting process. And we built a tool to help players and coaches connect with a ton of the information they want to know. It all starts with creating a free, beautiful Champs app profile. After that, there are some pretty magical things that can happen to help make the recruiting process a little less overwhelming. Your Champs app profile includes all the basic academic, personal, and athletic information coaches want to know. Then, by including video, schedule information, and your coach's contact details, colleges can easily start their evaluation process. You just copy and paste your personalized link and send it to coaches so they can see your public player profile without even having to log in or create a Champs App account. Or you can connect directly with coaches on Champs App. More and more coaches are creating their own Champs App profiles and connecting with players themselves every day. Now coaches can have all the information they need to assess where you might fit in their recruiting plans. Even better, college coaches can track your progress throughout the winter and showcase seasons because as you make changes to your profile, coaches will get notified to your updates. And in the future, we will be adding even more amazing features to improve your visibility to the recruiting process and hopefully increase your odds of success. If you want to see what a player or coach profile looks like before you start your own, look in the show notes to see some examples. My kids and I have used Champs app for their recruiting process. In fact, my son was invited to a AAA tryout thanks to his Champs app profile. So go to www.champs.app and start your player or coach profile. It only takes about 15 to 20 minutes to complete most
1: of your key information. Good luck, and please let us know how it helped with your recruiting journey.